I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Just hours before the deadline to use their franchise tag, the Bucks signed Donovan Smith, their left tackle, to a three-year $41.25 million contract with $27 million guaranteed. Did the Bucks? do the right thing or was it too much like some of you people must think man i was getting a lot of action on the internet uh, on twitter about this hey what did smith do to celebrate well he went to the lightning game of course and he was treated to a five to two win by the lightning over the winnipeg jets adam ernie breaks a 26 game goalless streak andre vasilevsky with his 10th win in a row nikita kucherov ties the club record for points man we've got all of that and some of your questions as well on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, are you guys ready for a magical day on the river with the manatees? This should be on your bucket list. I've done this. It's fantastic. If so, seven days a week, you can experience the wonder and magical charm with Captain Mike's Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It's the ultimate family bonding experience. Ask about their $30 manatee bronze tour and be sure to ask about their free offer for active law enforcement officers and U.S. military. Requires the purchase of two silver tickets at a regular price, and then after that, you're eligible for a free tour. Now, Captain Mike's is the number one customized manatee tour company at Kings Bay in Crystal River. It's pure paradise up there. You're going to love it. The water's always 72 degrees. This is a great time of year to do this. Go and ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, their bicycle rentals, and so much more. Book online now at swimmingwithamanatees.com or call 352 352- Seven 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 one seven nine six. All right, Steve. So you were uh, one of the many uh, thousands on hand uh, when the Tampa Bay Lightning won five to two. But the biggest guest of honor was maybe one of the richer guys in the building. All of a sudden, Donovan Smith, who celebrated with Ali Marpet and went to the Lightning game. I assume maybe he bought the tickets or the popcorn or something this time. Well, he was the Bolt what? social captain, so I don't think he spent a dime. He was. <laughs> That's true. I know. Hey, go with a bit, man. He's a rich dude. He could have he could have bought his way in there, but you're right. He was your social captain and a good choice uh, by the Lightning because he was the man of, of the hour. Um, you know, we followed this. I had written a story where the Bucks uh, were indeed prepared to place the franchise player tag on him at 4 p.m. If they didn't reach a deal by then, well, they did. They beat it by a couple of hours around 12.30, 1 o'clock. He signs just an enormous contract, three years, as I mentioned, 41 0.25 million and 27 million guaranteed. And, you know, I was all day long, even even yes, going back to yesterday, uh, when people were reading the story about them uh, planning to franchise him. I mean, he was not going to leave the Bucks. obviously. I was just, I don't know, maybe it's the trolls, maybe it's the, the silent major, major, minority or that, that, you know, or the vocal minority that likes to get on Twitter and sort of raise a ruckus. But I was just stunned by the number of Bucks fans that have no appreciation whatsoever for the job that Donovan Smith has or the job that he has already done. I mean, it's you would think that this guy was a saloon door. I well, mean, like he's just, you know, giving up sacks on every play. Well, Rick, we all know left tackles grow on trees. 
I mean, really. I mean, I, I really, the Bucks are up against it, okay? They're up against the salary cap. Um, they have the fifth overall pick in the draft, but they have all these needs on defense. It's a defensive draft, especially high when you're picking like that with all the defensive linemen that are maybe the best defensive line class in a decade. You've got uh, a, a really good linebacker that's available at number five. So you're going to have to address the defense first and foremost. I mean, they gave up 29 points a game. Your offense was a top five offense in terms of total yards and points and things like that. But all of a sudden, it's like Donovan Smith couldn't play dead. And it's stunning to me because, you know, all the guy has done is is play all 64 games to start his career. Uh, I think there was one other Buccaneer player that did that, never missed a start in his first four years. Oh, yeah, that would be Paul Gruber. And he's on the side of the stadium in the Ring of Honor. Now, I'm not saying Donovan Smith is Paul Gruber. He didn't make a Pro Bowl either. Um, but let's be honest. I mean, it's really hard to find guys, especially offensive linemen these days. And the other thing that I think people miss about this, Steve, is that like last year we said that everything, the, the year had to be viewed through the prism of Jameis Winston getting suspended, right? How are they going to overcome that? What was, what was the residual was going to be? What, what was he going to be when he got back? And all that came to play out, right, with Fitzmagic, with Jameis trying to match it, with getting benched and then going back and forth, and it resulted in Dirk Cutter getting fired. Well, this year there's only one way to view this entire season, and no surprise, it's through the prism of Jameis Winston. I mean, this is a walk-the-talk year for Jameis Winston because he's in the last year of his contract, his fifth year. They gave him a, you know, a club option, $20 million, and, oh, yeah, we went – and hired Bruce Arians, the Bucks did, uh, to try to be the quarterback whisperer and save this guy. So let, what are we going to do here if you're the Bucks? Are we going to let a left tackle, who would be the number one free agent uh, at that position if he got out to free agency, just let him go, right? And now we're going to have to either draft a rookie, which, by the way, there's not really anybody worthy of a top five pick anyway uh, at that position, uh, we're going to draft a rookie who's never played before and put him on the backside of, of Jameis Winston. Or we're going to go out and spend the same or more for a guy that we don't like as much as we like Donovan Smith, who makes it to free agency. Those are two tough options and not good options at all. And when you have a player like Smith that you like, that you can resign, you do it. And, and, and it's just, I mean, people seem to miss the the bigger picture, which is, hey, how do you evaluate your quarterback if he's on his back all day? Well, absolutely, but we also, and I think everyone would agree, that the Bucks' offensive line needs some work. Donovan yes. Smith is not the weakest link on that offensive line. Not by far. And so if you need to upgrade your offensive line, why are you going mm -hmm. to get rid of one of your better Even if you don't think he's that great, sure, he's still one of your better offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's either you know Jensen, Marpet, and him. Those are your three best. Pick yep. the order. That's fine. Yep. You, you have at least two offensive line spots that are not as good as Donovan Smith. So why would you want to get rid of him? When you've got a pretty I, friendly I, deal, you're only guaranteeing two years of money. So if you don't like correct. him, after two years you can walk away. It, 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 to me, it seems like a pretty fair deal for both Donovan Smith and the team. And looking at the needs of the team, it's the right deal for them to make. Yeah, it's a, and it's a market deal. I mean, you know, here's the thing. You can't control what the market is, right? I mean, in other words, if Donovan Smith were a free agent, he was going to make close to the same money. And if they had to franchise him, he was going to make 
$14.1 million, right? This year, in 2019, that's what he would have made, 14.1. Okay, well, they got him, essentially, for two years for $27 million. So their value is is better than if they franchised him, and then if they had to turn around and franchise him again, next year the franchise cost would have been $17 million. So instead of paying $41 million, you've got them for twenty-seven which is a hell of a hell of a bargain when you think about it. And you're right. I mean, they don't have a right guard. I mean, Caleb Bedenock played right guard last year, sort of, uh, but he was a turnstile, and he's going to move back to tackle. DeMar Dotson's going to be in his 11th season and battled injuries all along last year, so he can't play forever. And if you want to compare apples to apples, I mean, look at a, a guy like Nate, Nate Solder who you know won a couple Super Bowls, I think, protecting Tom Brady right, a left tackle that did that, a 17th overall pick back in 2011. Now, he's 30 years old at this point, right, but he never made a Pro Bowl. A year ago, he signed a four-year, $62 million contract with the Giants that included $34 million guaranteed, all right? Well, guess what? How'd he do? Well, Eli Manning was sacked a career-high 47 times last year, okay? You think Solder had anything to do with that? He allowed eight of them including two holding penalties. That's his worst year after he had allowed about five and a half or so, something like that, or, uh, yeah, somewhere in there. You know, and Smith, now look, did Donovan play great? No, it was, one of his, it was one of his poor seasons last year. But if you remember, the season began with everybody holding their collective breath because they almost didn't have a left tackle. He went down three weeks before the regular season opener, and I was there, and it looked like he was done for the year. I mean, he ended up with a sprained knee. But in three weeks, I'm sure he wasn't 100%. I'm sure he wasn't 100% all year. Came back, made the first, started the first game, and then kept his streak alive, and now it's 64 in a row. So for a guy to, to even give up five and a half sacks, you got to remember he played almost 1,000 snaps. So that's a pretty good percentage. And I know there's pressures involved and there were bad plays that maybe don't show up in the stat sheet. But the amount of vitriol, uh, even from that, that – you know, vocal minority of fans. I just don't think they get they get salary cap football. I mean, it's an allocation league. You only have so much money, and you know, go try finding a guy in college football to come up here, no matter where you're drafting, and play left tackle as a rookie. I mean, the hardest thing right now with with the spread offenses is to try to get an offensive lineman to be productive early in his career because these guys are never in a three point stance. They don't even huddle. Okay, they pass protect 90% of the time. Well, not only that, but with and the CBA, they don't get much practice time either. It's 100%. That's the biggest issue. You nailed it. They, they, you draft them in April. They come into a mini camp in May. They go to OTAs in June. And guess the first time that they're in pads when you're in training camp. You haven't been able to do a damn thing. These guys can't have, they can't have any physical contact. So how do you begin to teach an offensive lineman how to play in the NFL against grown-ass men? without them being able to touch the guy, right, or, or, or feel him uh, until he gets to July. And all it takes, folks, is one missed tackle, okay, one, or one missed block, rather, one blindside hit on your quarterback, and your season is over. And Bruce Arians might as well be back in Georgia at his forever lake house because he ain't going to win with whoever they bring in here as a backup quarterback who they've already said isn't going to be anybody that can challenge Jameis because it's all about Jameis. Well, if it's all about Jameis, then you should want him to have a guy that he's comfortable with 
And, you know, the last time I checked, for all the, the bad plays that Donovan Smith supposedly had, since everybody pointed out every one of them, um, you know, Jameis Winston has been hurt one time in his career, once. And it was his fault because he extended a play way too far at Arizona all the way to the sideline, tried to throw a ball, let Chandler Jones whack him and drive his shoulder into the ground, and he got the sprained shoulder. He played three games hurt and then missed three games. Um, that's the only time this guy has, has been in any kind of bad situation at all. Now, has he gotten hit? Yes. Show me a quarterback that hasn't. And, oh, by the way, wait till you see Bruce Arians' offense. You want to talk about getting your quarterback hit. You know, go talk to Carson Palmer or Ben Roethlisberger. That's why they got him out of Pittsburgh, because I think they were afraid he was going to get Ben killed. So, you know, Bruce is going to get five guys out on every play. He's not a guy that uses running backs to chip or tight ends and that sort of thing. So, you know, you're going to need Donovan Smith, and you're going to need guys that know how to play this game. And I don't know. It, it was just stunning to me. Like, I just kept getting him. You know, and I, I kind of sparred with these people. Uh, and you know who you are if you listen to this podcast. And I, I get it. Donovan Smith, look, he's not. He may never make a Pro Bowl. And if I had to rank him, he's somewhere between 15 maybe and below or 10 and below. He's not, you know, he's not necessarily a top five guy. He is, however, now going to be paid as the fourth highest average salary tackle in the league. Is he that? Well, he is today. But you know what? The next guy that comes up for a deal is going to top him, and the next guy is going to top him, and so on. That's just the way it is. If you make it to free agency, if you're a, a consistent player who starts on an NFL team and you make it to free agency, I guarantee you you're going to win the lottery. You know, that's just the way it goes. Hell, how long ago was it that Jason Light signed Anthony Collins, who didn't start but eight games for the Cincinnati Bengals to an enormous contract, and he flamed out here and was one and done? So Donovan Smith will uh, have his media conference later today at 11 a.m. We'll play that for you on tomorrow's uh, show on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Have a chance to uh, get his thoughts about signing that long-term deal. So, you know, they've locked up Ali Marpet. Um, they've locked up Donovan Smith. You've got, uh, you know, Jameis Winston, who's back for his fifth season and could could be a guy that they also do something with his contract before the year is over. So that was a pretty good draft if you go back to 2015 the way things have worked out. And and so the next question people are going to have, well, you know, they saved a little bit of money on the salary cap, right? Yeah, they saved um, probably about an extra million or so. I mean, his contract this year is going to be $12.5 million instead of 14.1, which would have been the franchise tender. So uh, they, you know, they're going to save a little there. Do they have any money now? No, they don't. <laughs> I mean, they got like under, I think, $2 million as we sit here today. And that's counting uh, the draft picks, I believe. They've, that's already count, factored in yeah, as far it, as it where they're slotted, in, assuming they don't yeah, trade yeah. or whatever. Sure. And, and But now what it doesn't include is that the salary cap's going up on March 13th by about $7.5, 8000000 million. So that'll, that'll ooze them back up in the 8 or $9 million range. Can you do something with that? Absolutely. You could sign a player because, um, remember, it's, it's only the top 53 salaries that count. So you could sign a player, and as long as his what we call paragraph five, which is his base salary or any amateurized signing bonus, um, goes in that 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 paragraph. If it's you know eight million dollars or less, and and that would be a reasonable contract for somebody, um, you can get one more free agent. But I think we're naive to think that where the Bucks are at right now, if they want some of these guys back, whether you're talking about Quan Alexander or Adam Humphreys or any of the guys on the free agent market. 
um, they're going to have to release players. I mean, that, you know, there there will be releases. There, it's they can talk, and I'll go back to the you know you can talk about Deshaun Jackson all you want to and how much you love him and all that. That's great. I just don't see you holding his ten million dollar salary until the first week of September, um, no. hoping that somebody will trade for him. And, and speaking of the draft, let me let me just add this: that the best offensive lineman is in the draft is arguably uh, the kid from Alabama, the left tackle Jonah Williams, who wants to play left tackle for all the world, and that's great. Maybe there's a team that'll see him that way. But from what I understand, having been at the combine and watched this guy and his arms, you know, are a little shorter than you ideally would like for a tackle. He, almost everybody says that he's going to play guard in the NFL, and he's willing to do that. He'd rather play left tackle, obviously, because there's bigger reward financially. Um, but most people have him going somewhere between, like, picks 10 to 15. So if the Bucks traded down, this guy would be good value. But, A, I, I don't think they think he's a tackle, and he's probably not a left tackle. And, B, you know, they they think he's a guard. I mean, the Bucks. I've talked to them, and they believe that Jonah Williams is a guard. So, it, you know, there's a kid from Florida. I mean, there's other tackles in the draft that you can get. And remember, Donovan was a second-round pick, so you don't always have to have – a first rounder, but I'm just saying like that position is so critical in a year that you're evaluating your quarterback. They really had no option here. I mean, they had to make a market deal and they did so. One other guy they signed uh, was their linebacker, Devonte bond. He's a, you know, somebody that's primarily a special teams player, played some Sam linebacker for him. Of course, they're going to a three, four, so they'll need volume there at that position he signed a uh, one-year deal for uh, $720,000 plus incentive so not not a huge deal but a chance for him to come back and compete and and uh, you know a player that has experience at the linebacker position because remember uh, not knowing what they're going to get in the draft I mean you know there, there's certainly good linebackers out there including Devin White that they could take at number five but you still have Quan, who's a free agent uh, you have Kendall Beckwith who you know is coming off an ankle injury didn't play all last year I don't think the prognosis is great for him. Um, so they, they've suddenly got some number issues, especially when you're going to use four linebackers. Now, one of those might be what they used to call defensive end in their 4-3 defense. So, you know, whether you're talking about Carl Nassib or somebody like that could play outside. But in essence, they need some linebackers, and so they bring back Devontae Bond. So we had a couple of, uh, of questions as well from uh, from our Sports Day Tampa Bay listeners. Yeah, Casey asked, uh, if the Bucks hadn't reached a deal with Smith, he would have been required to play under the franchise tag, but would the Bucks have been able to negotiate with him at all beyond the upcoming season? Yeah, and that's what I wrote was that they they thought things were going well enough that if they had not made the four o'clock deadline and let's say they franchised him, um, they absolutely would have continued to negotiate. And you always can do that up until July fifteenth. If you don't have a deal by then, um, he's got an option of you know either signing the franchise tender and, and playing for the one year fourteen point one million, uh, or he can do like Le'Veon Bell and just sit out, and in which case he gets nothing, and uh, you know things go backwards on him pretty quickly. So um, I don't think that would have happened. I think that they probably would have gotten a deal, but it's always harder in in a way once the guy gets the franchise tag because now everything you negotiate starts with that, you know, $14 million. I mean, you sort of establish his value at that point. Um, so you're not able to, to sort of move the numbers as well. Um, so I think that, you know, the fact that he's getting $12.5 this year helps him salary cap-wise. He gets guaranteed $27 million. I mean, remember, this guy's no dummy. I mean, Donovan Smith went to Penn State, okay? Uh, and really, for any football player, you're playing in a, in a league where your one play – 
practice or otherwise away from ending your career. I mean, that's just the reality of the business. And the only thing that's guaranteed in, in the NFL is what they'll guarantee. And so for a guy to say it takes a lot of chutzpah to say, look, I'm going to play my for my $14 million, and then next year I'll come back and try to get another contract. No, give me, I'll take 27 in hand rather than 14 you know, now and then maybe zero later for the rest of my life. So I think Donovan Smith did the right thing. All right, Casey also asked, if the Bucks had used the franchise tag at Adam Humphreys, would he have been classified strictly as a wide receiver? Or does a wide receiver have different tiers, like a first, a second, a slot, et cetera, when it comes to the franchise tag? Well, they should, but they don't. And um, that would be an interesting proposition if the union wanted to work that out. But I think their intent was to just you know, get as much money for their players as they could. And so, therefore, they're all just sort of under the same umbrella as wide receiver, which means – that as a franchise-wide receiver, and it's the average of the top five players at that position. So for them to franchise Adam Humphreys, he would just be that the tender for a wide receiver, which is over 16, slightly over $16 million. That was obviously going to be you know, double what he asked for a year ago. Uh, you could have gotten him. He wanted $8 million a year. But- Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Before he caught his 71 passes and five touchdowns, which were career highs. I'm going to be interested to see what Adam gets. I mean, he'll go out into the free agent market, and you know the Bucks probably disagree what his value is. They love Adam Humphreys, uh, but they have to look at their entire team. And this is the problem when you've got really good players, you want to keep as many of the good ones that you have, and yet you have to sacrifice somewhere. I mean, Mike Evans makes $20 million next year. That's a lot of money to budget for the entire wide receiver core, right? But he's not the only guy you're paying. Deshaun Jackson's at $10 million. So now we're at $30 million just for two wide receivers. And then you're paying Chris Godwin as, you know, as a draft pick, maybe not making as much. Well, what about a guy like O.J. Howard, who's a first-round draft pick, and Cameron Brait, who is kind of like a receiver, too, at tight end that makes $7 million. So all of a sudden you have such an enormous amount of money sort of, you know, invested in, in guys that catch passes that you can't pay anybody on defense. And so, you know, again, with the allocation system, with Humphreys – going to demand a pretty good salary. I'll, I'll be interested to see what he gets because everybody says, well, who is he? All right, well, his his ceiling is probably what, Julian Edelman? I mean, let's say he goes to the Patriots. He could be a Super Bowl MVP one day, right? That would be his ceiling. Well, Julian Edelman plays outside the numbers too. He doesn't just play slot receiver. Okay, I've not seen Adam go outside the numbers. He's a smallish guy, um, needs to play inside. And Julian Edelman signed a contract that pays him between five and a half and six million dollars a year. So how do you negotiate, you know, more than what Edelman makes, or Danny Amendola or somebody like that? So it's going to be again, you know, it only takes one team to fall in love with you, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're a Seahawk making ten million a year, and God bless you. But uh, well, you know, I don't think that because of the position, because they have Chris Godwin who can play in the slot. Because they had, you know, Justin Watson, who was a rookie they really liked last year, 
and and all the other draft picks that they may take or or even free agent contract guys, I don't think that Adam Humphreys is going to have a chance to come back on this football team. I think he's going to get more money elsewhere, and I think he should take it. And that's, you know, what they do with Quan has a lot to do with his injury and what they think that's worth and, and what his agent thinks he can get on the free market even with the torn ACL. He's still four months away from running or, or not running but doing football activities. He just started running, in fact. I mean, the guy's working his butt off, and you can see him on Instagram or Twitter every day with what he's doing. But he's not in football shape, and he's not going to be uh, until sometime around training camp. So that'll be a harder one. But it's a great; those are great, great questions about just how the salary cap works and how uh, franchise tenders and and things like that work. And hey, this uh, reminds us that uh, you don't always have to wait for a mailbag, but we are going to have one on Friday. So if you want to get your questions together and submit those to us, you can do that on Twitter at SportsDayTB, or you can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll have your mailbag questions. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm sure by then there'll be more about free agency as we get into the weekend. This is sort of, you know, it's all it's all here right now. March 11th through the 13th is when teams can begin and players can talk to any team and start, and start making deals, start making agreements. They can't announce those uh, until 4 p.m. on March 13th when the new league year begins, but they, it's sort of the, what we call the legal tampering period. So, Which I find Humphreys, funny that we already know Nick Foles is going to Jacksonville. We know Nick Foles has a deal with Jacksonville. That's right. <laughs> We're not in the legal tampering period yet, but he's already going to no. Jacksonville. Well, that's the thing. See, what the, the, the big joke was is that nobody waited for the start of free agency anyway, and so they thought, well, hell, if you guys are going to go cheat, then let's just give you three days to really cheat, you know? And so now they just move that up, and they, they – you know they've been cheating since the combine or before, but uh, some agents play it close to the vest and some don't. A lot of team, a lot of guys just want to wait and see how many teams call their guy on March 11th, and then that creates a market for them, and then they shop that back with their former team. And sometimes they come back, and sometimes the team says, "Hey, good for you. You know, we'll we'll see you down the road." But yeah, we we know that Nick Foles is going to Jacksonville, which is weird to me. I mean. He's a good fit there because they have a good defense and a good running game, and I think that's what Nick Foles needs. But, you know, with the exception of just, like, two fantastic playoff uh, appearances, he's always kind of been sort of this up-and-down quarterback, you know. And so you take him off the Philadelphia Eagles and a little bit of that magic. I mean, I, I like the guy. I think he's, you know, a tremendous dude. And uh, if, if they do the right things with him on the offense, he should be fine there. Um, but he's going to get a heck of a lot of money to go to Jacksonville and we'll see, you know, where the other quarterbacks slot in after that. You still got guys like Teddy Bridgewater, uh, who's a free agent as well. So there, there'll be some quarterbacks out there that people will be picking up and some backups as well. And the Fitzmagic is a, is a backup that's available as well. And he's not coming back to Tampa. And from what I've heard, uh, he wanted to be a backup here, or maybe maybe in Arizona, where he's from. He could go back home. Outside of that, I think he wants to try to start someplace. And Will I don't he know be backing up Josh Rosen or Kyler Murray? Well, that's a great question because, I mean, it seems to me for all the world that it's the worst-kept secret. Arizona is going to take Kyler Murray, and they're going to take him number one. And whoever gets Josh Rosen – look, Josh Rosen is, is, is a really good quarterback in my mind uh, and, and on tape. He, he went to the worst football team in football, and it, it was not even close. I mean, the Arizona Cardinals were putrid both on the offensive line, on defense. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald is aging. They didn't have a running game that was consistent. So, you know, they handed this kid the ball and said, hey, go get him. 
And he still had like a passer rating in the 80s, I think. Here's what they're talking about, and I, I find this hard to believe. That I think I read that somebody thinks that you can't get much more than a third-round draft choice for Josh Rosen. I mean, if I'm the New York Giants, rather than you know using my sixth overall pick for Dwayne Haskins, who played one all of one year at Ohio State, and yeah, he looked really pretty, racking up you know touchdown passes against uh, you know Toledo or Maryland or whatever. Um, I think I think I'm going to take a guy like Rosen. And and I got control of him at two or three million dollars a year for the next two or three years. Three next three seasons, and you still have the you know the fifth year, fifth year option option, just like the Jameis is under this year. So right. Yeah, so I mean that's a hell that's a hell of a deal. He's he's extremely affordable. He's got one year under his belt playing in this league. He throws the ball as well as anybody. I mean that's the thing about this guy is that he's got sort of this Aaron Rodgers sort of snap hook to him, you know. And I I just I I. I don't know if the Cardinals are doing the right thing. I mean, I know they believe in their head coach who believes in Kyler Murray, who recruited him, you know, didn't get him, but he recruited him to Texas Tech and Cliff Kingsbury. So if they go that route, that's the way they should go. But somebody's going to get a really good quarterback. And like I said, if I'm the Giants, I, I mean, I'm, I'm afraid of these guys. I'm a little afraid of Kyler Murray, too, to be honest with you, for a lot of different reasons. But I'm afraid of these guys that only play one year in college. You know, I, I think, you know, look, Jameis played two. And he had two of the greatest years you could have as a college football player at quarterback. But I think he would have been a lot better if he'd have played three or four. And I think when you look at, like, Matt Ryan or somebody like this that plays more years uh, in college, they seem to have more success when they get to the NFL. But what do I know? I'm just a, I'm just a sports writer. So we'll see what happens there. So, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning do a great job with their social media guys. And uh, who better to have than Donovan Smith on a day that he just signed an enormous contract and had lots of fans there? I guess he got a a decent reception. You were there. Did people seem generally uh, happy that he was there? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think the Twitter trolls were in attendance, so. Yeah, that's a good thing. But, anyway, he was there with Ali Marpet and his agent, and uh, it had to be a pretty good feeling to, uh, to, to sign a contract like that. And good on him. You know, Donovan is is a, a, a really affable guy. He's a, he's a gentle giant. Uh, you know, he comes across as kind of hard sometimes with us, just in a joking way. Like, you know, you never know, like, hey, you know, is this a day I should really talk to you or interview you? But in general, if you've ever seen him on social media, um, you know, with Casey Phillips and, and Allie, they do that thing. Um, just a prankster. I mean, he's, he's the life of the party. Uh, he's the leader of that offensive line. And um, I, I think that, uh, you know, most guys that are around him, including myself, are really happy for him because he, he's, you know, he's, he's worked his butt off. I mean, these people think that they just show up, roll out of bed and, and play, play football in the NFL. It's really not like that. Uh, but he's, he's just a really athletic guy and a good guy to deal with. So he was there. And, um, so were, uh, the, I don't know, 90 something sellout in a row at Emily arena to play a Winnipeg t- team, Steve, that is leading the central it's a pretty good hockey team, and they destroyed them. Well, they were they leading took them the apart. Central. They're now in second place as Nashville passed them tonight, thanks to the Lightning beating Winnipeg. Thanks to the Lightning. Yeah. yeah. But, no, Winnipeg's good. They, they were missing their t- top two defensemen, uh, Bufflin and Morrissey. So, uh, And okay. they have a forward out, uh, Lowry, that was suspended. Uh, so he was serving the second game of his suspension. So they, they were down a few pieces. And if you remember the game in Winnipeg uh, around the turn of the, the – turn of the calendar right around the I think it was I think it was in December actually uh they went up there they lost six to five in a shootout 
Uh, that was the only game of their, what, 16-game point streak that they had lost, and they lost that one in a shootout. They won, I think they won eight in a row, lost that one in a shootout, and then won seven in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a really good hockey game, up and down. Uh, but the Lightning, the Lightning on Tuesday night dominated that game. Yeah, they did. Dominated puck possession. The, the Winnipeg's two goals were both on power plays. The first one was a failed shorthanded attempt by the Lightning where Tony Sorelli made a bad pass to Yanni Gordon in skates. Uh, mm-hmm. Ryan, uh, Ryan McDonough kind of lost an edge, and they went down. Beautiful pass from line A, uh, and they buried the goal. So that was their first goal on a power play. And the second one was just a fluke one. Uh, Jacob Truba <laughs> hit it off the, the sideboards just trying to send it around, and it hit kind of a stanchion. It hit, and, the, it hit the stanchion, And yeah. as Vasilevsky went behind the net to play it, it went right in the net. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever seen a, a puck do that? Um, yes, or uh, not necessarily from not from center ice like that, but you have seen several that you know they'll try to wire it around, and a lot of times it doesn't go in, but you'll see it hit a stanchion and go right in front of the goal, um, okay. and it kind of fool everybody. It, you know, there's there's separations in the glass. It's not a solid sheet of glass around, so if you hit if the puck hits it just right, it can ricochet funny ways, either up, down sideways i mean vassy had already got made the move behind the net yeah. to try to play uh, it so i mean there wasn't nothing he could get back but it was a flute goal man jeez yeah. and both of them were power play goals they gave up they scored two power plays themselves nikita kucherov now has 108 points that ties vinny lecavalier for the most points in the season by a lightning player and he's got 15 games to go jeez steven stamkos one behind vinny lecavalier for career goals Victor Hedman has the most points by a defenseman on the power play in Lightning history. Mm. And all these guys are still in their 20s. I mean, it's a historic year in so many ways. It just they're going to they're going to pile up records that um, you're not going to see for a while. Stamkos has 34 goals now by the way, mm-hmm. quietly. I mean, they got how many guys have 30 goals on this team now? Is three. it four? 3. 3, okay. It's Point, Kucherov and Stamkos. Okay. I mean, but Stamkos of course you know, sharing the puck and, and probably playing an all-around game as well as he's ever done. We know he's capable of scoring 60 in his best days, mm-hmm. um, but doesn't have to anymore. And um, Brain you know, what points also, leading hockey and uh, power play goals at 19 now. What a great pass, by the way, by Kucherov, the point. Was that – I mean, was that not just a thing of beauty? Well, it was defense, there was nothing they could have done. Well, but even Stamkos has moved to the center of the ice, and he and Hedman kind of switched. And then Stamkos yeah. made the pass to Kuch, who was immediately to point in the net. I mean – I mean, you can't so draw good. it up any faster or quicker or better than they did it. They're just so good at the power, and and for that, you know, for reasons like that, like when you watch that and you think about, you know, having a man advantage in the playoffs and how important it is, and and just how good their power play is. I mean, that's what makes you think that they're going to be such a tough out, not just because of the record year, but they can pretty much do anything they want. Um, you know, I think they won everything but the faceoffs in this game. They were behind. They even they were way down in faceoffs, but they actually, by the end of the second period, were tied. Oh, okay, Winnipeg, like Winnipeg won the first nine faceoffs. By the end of the second period, it was twenty-one twenty-one. Yeah, so they even caught up there. So, yep. I mean, there's virtually nothing they don't do better than you <laughs> if you're if you're playing them. Uh, and they're so deep. I mean, that's the thing. You see the third and the fourth line rolled well, out. Well, that I mean, was tonight. It was Paquette and Sorelli's line that were just incredible. Uh, right. Adam Ernie gets a goal. Yanni Gord gets a goal. Cedric Paquette had a goal. Um, mm-hmm. but, I mean, those lines were bringing energy. They're four check. Um, they were controlling the game. They, I mean, they they dominated this game and controlled the puck. And Paquette when, and when the Lightning do that, it's hard. Yeah, Paquette had a bad penalty to start the game, which led to yeah. the first power play goal. Got an 
awful penalty called on him <laughs> late in the game, which what did he do? The guy, came the, at him. the guy came at him and let him, you know, hit him upside the head several times, and Paquette goes to the box, too. Yeah. You know, he had every right well, to be mad he, on that one. He slammed his, uh, slammed his stick on the glass, and the guy was watching him. Yeah. It wasn't a big deal, but he gave him an extra two minutes for it. So. Yeah, for unsportsmanship. And how about Nikita Kucherov uh, banging one off Connor Hellebuck's mask? Uh, I've never – have you seen that before? Have he, you seen a, a He a hit guy him straight on the, the top of the forehead. Wow. I mean, have you ever seen that where, you know, a guy knocks the goaltender out with one off the mask like that? I, I guess it happens. I mean, I've seen him hit the goaltender's mask, but not that hard at that straight in the middle of the forehead. I mean, and it was – he was staggered, you know. I guess they check him for concussions, but he had a little bit of a of a bruise or a cut or something under his eye when he, he came back into the game. You yep. could see they had done something to him underneath that mask. But I, every time that happens, I think of one thing. There were guys that played for years without a mask that played goalie. How in the hell? Well, just ho- and, and how many hockey players didn't wear a helmet? Ever. None. I mean, they, right. they didn't. No, right, I know. Right. They weren't shooting as hard as they are now, but still. Perhaps not, but still that's the your melon. The puck's still hard. Yeah, they, exactly. They haven't, they haven't made it soft. So, I mean, these guys – it took some shots, man. I mean, you, you think hockey guys are tough now? You should have seen them back in Phil's day. <laughs> oh, Phil must look at these guys and go, ah, you guys, you're not tough. Yeah, no. It's it's in Tampa Bay now has 106 points on the season. Their magic number to make the playoffs is three. So a combination of lightning wins and other losses. I think they're I think they're a safe bet. They're going to yeah, make Columbus fact, and Montreal will... are tied for the last wild card. Uh, they can both get to 109 points, but they play each other, so only one of them can get to 108 points. So three points so, by the Lightning or losses by the uh, – puts them in the playoffs. So, Leslie, the proverbial, if the playoffs started today and they don't, who who is the eighth seed right now in the East? Columbus. Yeesh. No, they're kind of a hot mess right now, even after the trade deadline, all the moves they've made. They're struggling. Are they struggling? Still, yeah. pretty good hockey team. Though. Oh, they got tons of talent. Tons of talent on yeah. that team. But they're scuffling a little bit. Montreal is too, who's tied with them for the eighth seed. But Columbus would have the tiebreaker. I think I'd rather play Montreal. That's just me. Yeah, but Pitts, at least Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh. the first wild card. So that's – Yeah, at least they're not there, right? Yeah, they right now Pittsburgh would play the Islanders. Because that was, that was a couple weeks ago. That would have been the uh, the first-round match that that neither the Lightning nor Pittsburgh really wants. Yeah. Because they're both really talented, and they both, you know, would be not wanting whoever won that series would pay an incredible toll for it. Let's put it that way, and and maybe it would propel you, or maybe it would knock you out for the rest of the of the postseason. So, uh, I think if you're a Lightning fan, you're probably glad that Pittsburgh is uh, is not not going to be the first round opponent as we sit here today. But what a hockey team! What a special year! We're going to talk to Diana Neros. Uh, was that tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow's we podcast we'll have Diana. on. Yeah, who, of course, covers the uh, Lightning for the Tampa Bay Times. She's done a great job. What a year for her to come on to the beat, actually sort of after they started the regular season. Um, as she always says, coming up for the minors herself, uh, where she used to cover uh, some minor league hockey back in the AHL days. But um, what a year to uh, to be the one that's, you know, documenting all these, just, you know, a record-breaking season in your first year in the NHL. We'll talk to her about that and just – how they're keeping it together. John Cooper, I mean, Coop, you start to look at his record and you start looking at the things he's done. 
And I'm wondering, Steve, have they signed this guy to an extension just yet? They haven't yet. He's uh, his contract is up at the end of this season. Or if they've well, signed him, they haven't announced it. But well, and that's you know, I mean, I would imagine that they they want to do that, and yet, well, I would, same, but but if they lose in the first round, uh, exactly. And and by the same token, you know, a little bit of leverage for Cooper too, because I would I would think that he'd have no trouble getting a job. Well, yeah, he uh, may not want to. He may not want to sign at this point. So he could he could break the bank someplace if if he wanted kind to, like so. Barry Trotz did last year with Washington. That's exactly right, and he's done okay. By the way, he's you know done a nice job. Yeah, they're leading the, the Islanders are leading the uh, Metropolitan Division, so tied with That's Washington. Right. So pretty good, pretty good deal for him. So yeah, just a, uh, a another great game by the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, they've got a couple of home games. And then I saw where they they're on the road for like nine of their last thirteen or something like that. Yeah, they do have a lot on the road. They have the women's final four the the final week of the season. They're on the road for four because they have the women's final four at that time sure. at Amelie sure. Arena. But they've got Minnesota, who's the second wild card in the West, coming in on Thursday. Uh, that's a that's a tough team to play. They're always I heard Brian Engblom talking about it tonight that they're always a, a good team, but they sometimes just lack that scoring and, and they're, they're the guys who are expected to score kind of go in hiding for a while, particularly in the playoffs. And so they're mm-hmm. always, they're always a solid team, but never a great team. Uh, then you get Detroit in on Saturday, who's out of the playoff picture. And then yeah, next week they're at Toronto and Detroit. Uh, and then they get the Capitals still three times in two weeks starting next Saturday. So, so more lightning talk. Remember be here tomorrow. Diana Neros, the uh, beat writer for the Tampa Bay times will be with us uh, for a while. We appreciate her. Uh, doing that in what is an incredibly busy and uh, exciting season uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. We're also going to have uh, sound from Donovan Smith's press conference. That's at 11 a.m. You can follow uh, some of that on TampaBay.com in real time if you'd like to this morning. I will be there uh, as well. And, hey, folks, remember now, um, if you're looking for something to do, a, a kind of a family bonding experience, I recommend this. I have done it uh, with my family. It is terrific. Uh, please go see Captain Mike's. Swimming with the Manatees in Crystal River. It is just a sensational day. They're the number one customized manatee tour company in Kings Bay up in Crystal River. The water is beautiful. It's a good time of year to go. It's pure paradise up there. And you can ask about their pontoon boat rentals, their kayak rentals, bicycle rentals, and so much more. Book online at swimmingwiththemanatees.com or call 352-777-1796. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.